0: Thank you so very much worship team and uh you know music is great all year round but isn't it especially great this time of the year <laughs> as it points us to to Christ and what he's done for us Um I prayed a lot I prayed a lot about what to share this week um and I thought last week we did joy and I thought I'm going to stick with the the idea of the candles and go to peace this week and praying through and looking at verses and the Lord led me to Psalm 34, verses 11 through 14. And uh, when he, he brought me there, it, it was kind of interesting to think about first, because if you look at Psalm 34 and you ever notice in the Psalms and you're in your Bibles there, it does tell you usually who wrote the Psalm or some things about it, because this is a Psalm book or a song book, so to speak. And it says this is a Psalm of David. Now, one of the things you maybe don't know about this Psalm is, the whole psalm. It's an acrostic. It uses the letters of the Greek el- or the Hebrew alphabet, and that's what each of the verses starts with a le- letter from the from the Hebrew alphabet. Don't ask me to go through the Hebrew alphabet really quickly here. My Hebrew alphabet isn't so good, but um, it does that. So it's kind of fun that it is something like that. As it goes along, but when you look at what it says there, it says this was a psalm written by David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, and and who drove him away, and he left. Now, if you actually go look at the story that's there, he actually pretends he's insane before this king Achish of the Philistines, and some different things. But David takes the situation into his own hands, and he does that. So that he can be chased away. And I guess as we read this psalm, the thought is is that he writes this afterwards sometime when he begins to realize that he wasn't the one to take it into his hands to do it the way he did it. But it pointed him again to trust in the Lord and to look for the Lord's way to handle things. Look there again at those verses and let's start there at verse 11 with this Psalm of David. And and the first thing that David kind of says here as he uh, starts there, he says, Come, my children, listen to me. (laughs) He really kind of is saying, listen up. Listen up to what I'm going (laughs) to say. David expects them to perk up his ears. And I'm amazed these days, I guess I shouldn't be amazed, at how little we pay attention to things. This world has so many voices coming at us. And by the way, I could just invite you to sixth grade Bible class to understand that. I don't know what it is about kids nowadays. They don't when somebody else is talking, they don't always know that they shouldn't be talking. <laughs> but we're not always paying attention. As as adults at events, I went to an event this week and, and the adults kept talking, even as the kids were performing. <laughs> It's kind of crazy to think about how we get so caught up in our world today. All those noises and all the things that are there, we just sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen, don't we? There's a there's a movie that came out years ago, it's a submarine movie called Crimson Tide. And Gene Hackman is the main character in that thing. He's sitting there with Denzel Washington and they're watching as they start out, Denzel Washington's the XO. Of the ship, and he's the captain, and, and they're sitting at, on the top and they're watching the sun set. And it's a good part of the movie because everything gets quiet for a while. And, and Gene Hackman turns to Denzel Washington after the sun has set and he says, At least you were smart enough to be quiet <laughs> during the whole thing. <laughs> and sometimes we need to do that is to be quiet and listen up. And God does that a lot in Scripture. He says, listen up. And David says it here. And in the second half of the verse, David says those words. He says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. (laughs) We need to learn the fear of the Lord. And I don't think David said it like this, I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. (laughs) Sometimes we do that with kids, don't we? We're going to put the fear of the Lord into them. That isn't the picture here at all as we look at the fear of the Lord. Consider David. He's a musician. He's a statesman. He's a soldier. But he doesn't say, I will teach you to play the harp. I'm going to teach you to handle a sword or a spear or draw a bow. I'm going to teach you the maxims and the statutes of of state policy. (laughs) He says, I'm going to teach you the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter one, verses one through seven it it talks about what wisdom is, and it talks about the things it, it, it says this it, it says this is the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, King of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen. And add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. And then in verse 7, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. (laughs) The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And as you read through the Proverbs, it goes on, And it will say at a later point in Proverbs 9, 9 through 10, instruct a wise man and he'll still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord, or Yahweh, is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's just the beginning of wisdom. Now, we need to go to confirmation class for a little bit. The catechism does a great job of describing what the fear of the Lord is. (laughs) What is the fear of the Lord? (laughs) Well, I'll take you to question 26 in our catechism that we use. When do we fear God? We fear God when we think so highly of Him that we are afraid of offending Him by any wrongdoing. See, there's two types of fear that are there. In the Scripture, we are told at times to fear God. (laughs) As we are here to fear the Lord. And there are times where we're told not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. There's slavish fear. First of all. Slavish fear is that fear, fear of God because we're afraid of punishment. It's to be afraid. But there's the childlike fear that God wants. Where we see God and we see who He is. And in awe and respect... We love God so dearly that we wish to do nothing that is against His will. That is the fear of the Lord that David was wishing, desiring to teach here. That childlike fear. David, after taking things into his own hands, a number of times along the way, and he still will do it after this, perhaps, realizes what he really wants to teach the children of Israel to teach them to fear the Lord. One commentator put it this way he said, I will teach you not the courses of the stars, and not the nature of things, not the secrets of heaven, but the fear of the Lord. And the knowledge of such matters without fear puffs up, but the fear of the Lord without any such knowledge can save. The fear of the Lord is what can save. When we trust in Him. Now what does David say next here? In verses 12 through 14, he goes through some of the things as he's teaching this fear of the Lord And he tells them that we should love life. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. He starts out with dealing with the tongue. Oh boy. Keep your tongue from evil. Um, One of the things that you see up on the screen, Steve Green did a whole set of uh, songs with things. Some of you maybe are chuckling, but this is a great song. He takes this verse and he teaches the song, keep your tongue from evil, keep your tongue. And then at one point in the song, he has you hold your tongue and say, keep your tongue from evil, keep the tongue. <laughs> when you think of your tongue and how we use it, honestly looking at things, the tongue is hard to control, isn't it? In fact, in the book of James, in James chapter 3, it says very clearly, we cannot tame the tongue in and of ourselves. We need help with the tongue. And David here is bringing that out. He's bringing out that fact and that truth of things. I think of Matthew 12, verses 20, or sorry, Verses 33 through 37. Listen to what Jesus says along these lines. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees here, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. How many of you are sure now that you're not going to be condemned because of the words you've spoken? <laughs> We're all sunk we we struggle with that and the tree is known by its fruit and where the things that come out of our mouth where do they come from they come from the heart and in jeremiah 17:9 jeremiah god has jeremiah point out the very truth the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it <laughs> jeremiah 17:9 and as i stated before All of this shows itself up in James chapter 3. If you want to read that sometime, read it. Does the tongue then play a role in the peace that he's going to talk about here, in the peacemaking perhaps? Is there power in words? You remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. We know that's not true. And talking about peace, we have to take it to that part as we go along here, and we will eventually as we go along. But notice what he says next. He says, depart or turn from evil. (laughs) Turn from, depart from evil. Proverbs 8.13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And he says, I hate pride and arrogance and evil behavior and perverse speech. And in Proverbs 16, verse 6, it says, Through love and faithfulness is sin atoned for, through the fear of the Lord. That's the way a man avoids evil. David is going to teach them about the fear of the Lord. And it's what we're to be taught about. And a big part of that is departing from evil. As the Lord becomes a part of our life and through what He has done. And and the next part gets interesting because we're not only asked then to just cease from evil, but we're to do good. Do good. It's like the commandments. All the commandments, most of them are don't do this, don't do this. But I love how Every commandment, when you get to the meaning of the commandment, you get to find out what it's about. We should fear and love God so that we don't do this, but we do this to do the good. I'll take one example. I won't call any of the confirmation students up, so don't worry. They just took a quiz on this very commandment today. (laughs) All right? The eighth commandment. Just take a quick look at it there. It's up on the screen. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What does this mean? What does it mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not deceitfully lie about, betray, backbite, nor slander our neighbor. And those are all the things that we shouldn't do and we could talk about things. But then it says, but what are we to do? We're to defend Him, speak well of Him, and put the most charitable construction on all that He does. Wow. Wow. It changes, doesn't it? The commandments change for us. If we're just trying to not backbite our neighbor, if we're just trying not to slander our neighbor, and we're thinking we're trying to be good enough, that's not the thing David's talking about here, to be good enough to get to God. But because we have the fear of the Lord, then we can do the good. And it becomes the things that we want to do please Him. That's going to help us when we think of true peace here in just a bit. When I was looking at that, there there is a, the way one person said it, is negative goodness. Where we think we're so good compared to everybody else. The, the prime picture of that in Scripture is in Luke 18 where the Pharisee is standing there and he's praying and the tax collectors right nearby. It, it, it reads like this The Pharisee stood up. He prayed about himself. If you ever read Scripture, it says he prayed about himself. He wasn't praying to God. <laughs> God, I thank you that I am not like other men. <laughs> I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. That's not why we do good. And David is teaching them here the fear of the Lord. He's teaching us. God is using that. And it's out of the fear of the Lord that we honor Him and we do the good. We don't compare ourselves to others and how good we are compared to them. But if we're going to compare, we need to compare ourselves with Jesus Christ. How good was He? And it's His goodness that we then rely upon. Because in ourselves, we aren't good. We need His goodness. And I think David is realizing that with the things that he had done to trust in God. I get a feeling that David is heading towards some true peace. And that's what allows him to write this psalm. And so that's the last part of this, is to long for peace. Seek for peace. Seek peace and pursue it. Now we talked about here as we seek true peace with things, we, we read today the angels, and this is the angel candle that we've got in front of us, and the angels um, cried out those words that glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. <laughs> um, in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 that we read earlier on today for unto you a child is born and unto you a son is given his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace to find true peace and I don't need to even tell you this is to find that peace in Jesus Christ H.G. Wells the the uh, writer said, the time has come for me to reorganize my life, my peace. I cry out, he said. I cannot adjust my life to secure any fruitful peace. Here I am at 64 years old, still seeking peace. You know what H.G. Wells said? He said, it is a hopeless dream. It is a hopeless dream. When we look at the peace candle, that light shines. It's not a hopeless dream to have peace. Everybody in the Old Testament was looking for the Prince of Peace to come. We all look back to the Prince of Peace that did come and did bring peace to our hearts, to our souls. Listen to Jesus' words to His disciples near the end, right before He would go to the cross. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave you with you, Jesus said. My peace I give to you. I don't give you as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. And do not be afraid. The peace that Jesus gives is a peace that passes understanding. We don't understand it all. Paul wrote about that in Philippians chapter four. It's a peace that we just it's hard to understand how he gives peace. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus told his disciples straight out, he said, I told I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I could ask for a show of hands. How many of you have trouble? (laughs) But Jesus said, take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, isn't it amazing during Christmas time as many of the times where we don't feel at peace? Because so many things are going on and so many things we've got to get done or people are struggling with things. But it's exactly that time that we can look into the manger again, can't we? And be reminded that the Prince of Peace came. And He came for you and me. And He has overcome this world. (laughs) See, another way to take it here as we look at this is to to practice peace. As we long for peace, as we seek peace and we pursue it, the result of having the peace in our hearts becomes that we can practice that peace as He's in our lives to seek peace with our fellow man. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. And by the way, if you want to look this up on the internet, ways to find peace with God, there are tons of lists to do that. And there are tons of lists of how you can find peace with one another. Just to give you a quick example, and they're good examples. We could do a whole sermon on different things, but it says one set of practical advice here is deal with conflict early, practice restraint, especially of the tongue. Third part, prepare for a long journey because peacemaking and peace may be a long journey. It's a process, not an event. Fourthly, take a step towards peace. Seek peace and pursue it. And fifthly, trust To God, the injustice that you've suffered. Look to the Lord, in other words. And you see, peace, peace is the calm of mind that is not ruffled by adversity. Peace is is a mind that's not overclouded by remorseful conscience or disturbed by that slavish fear. But peace is knowing the fear of the Lord. <laughs> and knowing what He's done for you and me. <laughs> Going back to that simple truth. Paul put it well, I think, in Colossians chapter three, twelve through fifteen, he said, Clothe yourself. Therefore, as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. <laughs> Have you ever tried to complete a jigsaw puzzle only to find that a piece is missing? In our family, we do jig, we do puzzles around Christmas time. It was one we do often. And I remember the first time I learned this, my, my uncle took one piece early on and put it in his pocket because he knew at the end there would be one piece left and everybody would be looking for it and he'd get to put the last piece in, <laughs> you know? Many people can't complete the great jigsaw puzzle of life. I know I'm playing with words here a little bit, but they can't do it because they're missing the peace. They're missing the peace of Jesus Christ. You want to find that missing peace? As I close this off, it makes me think of songs at Christmas time. It makes me think of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow writing, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. There's the whole thing that's behind that story of how he wasn't at peace and his son was hurting and all the different things. He had lost loved ones. But he writes that verse. He says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then he writes the next verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead. By the way, this happens to him on Christmas Day when he writes this. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail and the right prevail with peace on earth. Good will to men. And think about singing Silent Night, Holy Night. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, listen to the song Christmas 1915. It talks about World War I and how they had a truce on Christmas. And the German soldier sang Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, the the silent night, holy night. And what's the last line of that? Because we'll sing it on Christmas Eve again. And sleep in heavenly And the third song that came to my mind is the song Horatio Spafford wrote. As he wrote about it being well with his soul. His daughters had had died in the ship that had crossed crossed the ocean. And as he was crossing the ocean to go get his wife who had survived, the captain pointed out the spot where the ship went down and he wrote those words. It is well... With my soul, (laughs) when peace like a river attendeth my way. You and I can have that peace this Christmas season again, each day in Christ and in the fear of the Lord. (laughs) May you and I, (laughs) may you and I look to Him and to Him alone. May we heed these words and may we trust in the one true God. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to seek peace and to pursue it. Thank You for bringing that peace. And help me, Lord, help each of us when we forget those truths. To know that You have a peace that passes all understanding. To know that You are in this life You are here for us. You came so that we could have life. Eternal life. Lord, bring that peace again to our hearts today. Thank You for Your Word, O Lord. Amen.